Welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- it's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. The song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyrics ever. With the juvenile flush on that one? <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that crap. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right, we are back with a supplemental Audible Ecstasy podcast this week. Uh, some scheduling conflicts this week. I really didn't think I was going to be able to go, so we kind of forego uh, or kind of pushed off our Black Sabbath review this week. And Anthony couldn't go tonight, so Chris and I decided to get together and uh, kind of go through a topic he calls reasons we fell out with bands. I'm going to call it divorcing a band. So, <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, man? You ready to start this little discussion? I am, and we should probably mention that next week uh, we're probably where it's Easter weekend. We got a lot going on, so we probably won't right. be able to do black, probably shouldn't be doing Black Sabbath over Easter anyway. But uh, yeah, right on, right on. <laughs> we'll probably push that off another week. There, we might try to come up with some kind of uh, similar to this, some, some sort of yeah. supplemental podcast to keep everybody interested. But uh, absolutely, yeah. But yeah, I'm looking absolutely. forward to this. Uh, Jimmy, I might take the reins here for a minute. If you no, don't care. you you take over and let's uh, let's have this discussion. I've been looking. We we kind of. We've kind yeah, of talked about this behind the scenes there for a couple of weeks this, now, and I'm this will be good, man. Exactly. This is something I've been thinking for a long time would be a, a nice kind of roundtable discussion to have about bands that we maybe were huge fans of at one time, and for whatever reason, uh, just kind of fell out of favor with us. Uh, and it could be any reason. I actually have uh, four different reasons uh, tonight, four different bands in my mind. Uh, one was because of maybe what I perceived as greed, a little too much greed. Uh, the second one was uh, an artist who I felt was just, I don't know, it's kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It was kind of immature at the time, and and I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just kind of I rubbed me the wrong way. I just said enough. Uh, another, uh, and I don't like to, okay, I'm, I'm going to say, politically, I, I don't try to go into politics too much. You know, we probably have listeners on both sides of the aisle, and I'm, I'm not a real political person when I get right down to it. I, I can kind of see the merits of both sides sometimes, so I don't, I don't go there, but... But there are times when musicians let their politics get over the line where it affects the fan base, and there's one glaring observation for this one on me. Uh, and then also there was a band out there that did dramatically change their music style to the point where I just couldn't listen anymore. So there are four bands that we'll get into tonight, and Jimmy, you, I'm sure you got some yourself you'd like to talk about. But that's kind of the, the four things in my mind that kind of maybe can make you fall out of favor with the band. And there's probably more than that that we can get into. But uh, So, yeah, if, if you don't mind, I'll start with mine and like, kind of let's see if you've got well, some things in the same. I, the two of yours are going to be the two of mine as well, just so you know. Okay. And um, I'll be, I'm pretty sure you know who they are. So you can go ahead and start with one of those two if you like, and we will, uh, we'll discuss those guys. Well, the first band that I'm going to discuss tonight is a band that – and I'll be honest, I don't really think it's fair uh, in, in hindsight uh, with the greed category. And back in, okay, I'll just start. Back in the back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was a pretty big fan of the Dave Matthews Band. Uh, those were my college years. They are a college band back then. Uh, if, if you were in college at that time frame, there's a pretty good chance you were a huge fan of that band. Uh, I would 
go see these guys in concert a lot. You know, anytime they come into the Virginias, the Carolinas, uh, Tennessee, a few times, I would go see them. I was a member of the fan club, the, the warehouse fan club he had. You could always, those were the days before a lot of people did fan clubs. I mean, you could, you could spend, I can't remember how much it was, but it was like a monthly fee and you could get pre-sale. Maybe it's just a yearly fee. I don't know. But I think it was a yearly could, fee, man. It could be access to good tickets. And that's back when, you know, uh, people weren't buying tickets online. They, they go stand in a, uh, you know, I, I mean, maybe Music Ticketmaster kind of did that, but it was it, back then you go stand in front of a record store to get your tickets, yeah. you know, and, and it was pretty handy being, having access to that ahead of time. So that was a good thing. Uh, but yeah, it, so anyway, uh, to get to the greed part of this, and maybe that was part of the greed part too on Dave's side. I don't know, but, uh, he loved to release the live albums and, as a diehard fan, I would buy every live album that came out. And back then, you couldn't stream music. You just had to buy the album, and you owned it. So I remember the album that came out uh, live at Folsom Field. And I want to say it was either his fourth or fifth live album he'd released at that point. It was his fifth. Okay. That, that sounds right. So I'm sitting there looking at this album in the record store one day, and I didn't even know it'd come out at the time, but I, but I saw it and I was like, well, let's, let's take a look at this. And I was looking at the tracks and I owned every track except one on this album. I'd heard every song, but one on this album. And I was like, you know, a lot of these Dave albums, or Dave Matthews albums, live albums sound pretty similar. Let's just be honest. There's only so many ways you can do some of these songs. Uh, but there was one song I never heard. And I'll be honest, it was so... In, you know unimportant in the grand scheme of things now I don't even remember what the song was I looked at the track list I just couldn't remember what it was but I bought the album against my better judgment and it was like I said the song was so underwhelming I don't even remember what it was but I remember driving home listening to the CD and thinking you know what I just wasted $20 and the man consistently puts out live albums like that all the time and I think he was, I, at the time I was like, you know, I'm a diehard fan. I feel like he's just taking advantage of these diehard fans that will buy anything that he puts out to the point where it's almost identical to other stuff he's putting out. I felt kind of taken advantage of, and it didn't sit right with me. You know, then around the same time we had the whole Lily Watt Sessions uh, busted stuff debacle, which Jimmy, if you remember, he, uh, he releases this album busted stuff at the time yep. and it was okay, but there was another album that he was going to release. Well, the producer is Steve Lillywhite. Steve Lillywhite, Lillywhite Steve. Yeah. Uh, somebody in his camp leaked the album to Napster and I found a copy of it, and downloaded it real quick one night before it got pulled off of Napster. And it was, the album was so much better than busted stuff. And I was like, Dave scrapped this entire album. I think he had like a mental breakdown or something. And I, I was just like, between that, me kind of being like, what was he doing here? And then putting all these live albums all over the place. I just kind of said enough. I took a step back and I just kind of quit listening to him. And to be honest, to this day, I've never picked it back up really. Now I will say in hindsight, I was probably too critical of Dave. I pretty sh probably should give him the guy the benefit of the doubt because where he shines is on his live shows. He's he's always he's a live act. I mean, him the whole band they, they're fantastic live. 
You know, I know he, and, and Jimmy, we talked about this earlier today. You said Metallica does the same thing. I don't know too many bands that do this. They will sell tickets to individuals who want to go plug into their soundboard and record a live show for their, for themselves. I mean, that doesn't sound like a greedy man to me, that somebody that would do that. So I, I kind of regret thinking that. In hindsight, I don't really think he was greedy. But I do think as a young college student who didn't have a lot of money coming in, he couldn't afford to drop 20 bucks on an album for one subpar song, quite honestly. Uh, it's it's weird, and it's I feel like this is kind of, like I say, this this in, in my head here is the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast, because uh, it didn't sit right with me then. In hindsight, I was probably wrong. If I'm, you know, I'm big enough to say, hey, I, I was wrong about this. I, I think I was anyway. Although if you look now, of course now people can stream, so it doesn't matter. I bet there's over a hundred live albums on his Spotify catalog. If you look at it, I mean, it's a ton, absolute ton of live albums. So anyway, Jimmy, I don't know if uh, if there's anybody out there that that you feel greed got the best of, and maybe kind of tainted you that artist for you, and maybe made you quit listening to it, or maybe just rubbed you the wrong way, gave you a bad perception. I don't know. You got anybody well, that? Well, well, I'm gonna, you, you started on one. I'm, I'm, I was about the same with Dave as well. It was right after the album Busted Stuff came out. I kind of lost faith as well. And this is like you said, buying records at the time. And man, I was a, I mean, I was a guy who wanted to fulfill the discography, if you know what I mean. Yes. And I was buying everything. Once, and don't get me wrong, I didn't even like him until you got me into him. And the only reason I started listening to him was because of the original acoustic record that he had with uh, Tim Reynolds. Wow, and um, yeah. that album is absolutely, it's, it's still one of my favorites to this day. I mean, was it live at Luther College is what it was called. I and um, God, that was 1999 is when it came out. And I think that's when you brought it to my attention. And I never looked back. Acoustic, I would honestly, I would buy anything he puts out when it comes to live uh, acoustic stuff. But, uh, you know, you were right, though. I mean, I went back and looked at these live albums he had. And he has, uh, now keep in mind, I'm going to give you a, an argument against what you're saying that he's not doing it for the money, not including this is the live albums listing that he has from official record releases. Okay. It's uh, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 17 official releases on a record label. Then he's got these live tracks that are his. <laughs> and I bet there are 50. They're a ton. So now, are those entire concerts or those just individual songs? No, it's, it's, it's entire shows. Wow. And then, I mean, there is, and no lie, there is probably, I mean, he's probably got, you know, a hundred, I would dare say out there floating, but for him making money, he's probably got 50 of these live tracks out here. And it's cool that if you get one that's from a show that you actually attended to, and I yes. get that. Yes, but I there agree. are people who might have been like me that were just completionists that wanted to fulfill a discography, you know, and I had two or three of those live tracks when they first got released. And then I was like, oh, my God, you yeah. know, it just it just kept happening. I, like I mean, every it, it would bankrupt a fan if they really wanted to, to own everything the guy ever put out. It's just it's damned impossible. And it's all basically him just releasing something off the soundboard. Let's just be honest. It's not that hard to do. You know? Right. And and this is what the ironic thing that the uh, Busted Stuff album came out in 2002. Since then, he's only released four records, one called Stand Up, which I did get. And the next one after that was called Big Whiskey and the Groo Groo King. I got that, but I can promise you, I can't tell you a song off of it. Right. And then he released something called Away from the World and Come Tomorrow, of which I've never heard any of those songs. 
never listened to any of it. I just lost, I guess, the desire to to hear the new stuff. And I mean, you can give me, I can listen to busted stuff, and I don't, you know, Everyday wasn't my favorite album, so I, I would skip that one. But the other, Under the Table, Crash, Before the Crowded Streets, I can Fantastic. listen to those any day yeah. of the week. They were all great albums. And, and Busted Stuff, a.k.a. Steve Lily White Sessions, is what we listened to for – how long we, – we had that for almost a year, didn't we, before You're right. it released? I, okay, I misspoke. The the uh, under Now, what was the ta- the song, the album he actually released instead of It was Busted, Busted Stuff. Stuff. Yeah, it was uh, Busted Stuff. I thought there Stuff. was one – what was the first album you said you, you don't listen to that much that you listen to? It's Every there? Day. That every album day. was – it was, it was, I mean, it was one I of those I think ones that's that, what he released instead of, of Lily White's Lily album. Correct. Yeah. He went back and recorded that. And, and it's and, just not as good an album. That's just all there right. is to it. It is not. It is not. It's got yeah. a couple of great songs. Don't get me wrong, but I could skip that album pretty I, much. I don't know if you remember, Jimmy, because like I say, I, I, you know, back in those, I think, I don't think it was Napster. I think it was actually something called LimeWire. I don't know if you remember that service or not. I do. Yeah. But, yeah. but I saw that one night on there and I was like what the hell is this Dave because you know I was always downloading music back then and and I saw that and I, I didn't even know what it was and I was just like but it was Dave Matthews and I was like well, let's just download it and I got the whole album and the next day it was gone it wasn't on right. there and I don't know how long it lasted I don't know how many copies floated around but I definitely got the whole thing in completion oh yeah so no, I just grabbed a big a big thing of CDs and just started burning them and giving them out to all my friends and I think we went to a concert not long after that and I set up a little stand in the parking lot, started selling them for like ten bucks a pop. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. You know, yeah, paid for my concert. You made a buck. Anyway. Good job, man. No, dude. I re- yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and and that was one of my gripes. You know, I guess it was the over. God, the, as a fan, you see that come out, you're like, oh my god, not another one. Oh yeah. my, it's the same songs. Oh, there's a couple it, different it songs. It is. Oh no. And you're right. And, the only like, if if you were at that show, it might mean something to you, and you might want it. Right. But I mean, how many? You think version forty three on the live tracks versus version forty four is much different? And probably not. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's it's a, and that was a great one. Um, and I was, you know, I was thinking of of bands that I uh, kind of fell out of, and it's not for the same reason. It was because of my musical taste drastically changed. And I joked about this all seriously, man. I I did enjoy poison a lot when we were in high school, but as soon as we got out of high school, man, I never listened to them again until we did a review. I mean, it's just straight up truth. (laughs) You're also bad. It was (laughs) that's, I mean, it's just how garbage it was. And it's, and it's nothing on their fault. It's because my musical taste changed. And then I go back and listen. I'm like, God, this stuff is not even that good at all. No, I went when we I saw him in concert. For Brett, sure. Brett Michaels the whole time was just like pointing to people yeah, and yeah. letting CC play because he can still play, but the rest of it was right. just like not great. And I, you know, right, and, well. and the sad thing is, I don't have a, other than my taste changed. I really don't have any other valid reason for Poison other than that. And it's just you know, it's one of those bands that I really really enjoyed as a you know a 13, 14, 15 year old, and then after that, you know, when I got out of high school, I was like, God, this this is terrible, and never looked back. Just never did. Well, on, was on your, the topic uh, on the topic of greed, before we yeah. move on to the next, uh, another thing I think to consider is uh, how much these musicians charge for concert tickets now. And oh, you've yeah, got everything from the Rolling Stones out there wanting five hundred bucks a pop to a guy like Garth Brooks, who still to this day won't even charge a hundred bucks for the best seat in the house. Now that you know that tells you something. I know. These stadium stadium shows that Garth Brooks plays, he he could get he could command a huge amount. And I remember 
years ago, uh, Anthony got us tickets to see him down in Chapel Hill and it was, you know, right in his prom and the tickets were 20 bucks. And back then, I mean, you're still paying like a hundred bucks for tickets. And, right. and he absolutely, I remember him doing an interview saying, I know a lot of my fans can't afford these and I will never overcharge my fans for tickets. You know, so like, and he, he's, he has held true to that, man. I mean, he really has. I give well, him credit. You know, ironically, you say that uh, Foo Fighters do the same thing from what I ga- from what I gather uh, for a long time. But they basically charge a fair price and their merchandise is priced like it would have been back in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Is it really? 20 bucks. Oh, man. That's unheard of nowadays. See, that just makes me like those guys even more. I didn't know that, but. Yeah, yeah. Last there time you we go. saw it, them, Stuff like that we bought, can. We bought can like, Chris, I'm telling you, we were going to, we were deciding because we knew how much concert shirts were going to be, so to speak. And we got in, we were, my wife and I were deciding, well, we'll just get one shirt. Which one do you like? And we get up there and it's 20 bucks. It's like, oh my God, we can get two or three. What do you want? Because I was yeah. prepared to pay 40 to 50 bucks for a shirt and then you get 20 bucks. You're like, oh, that's, a, that's a steal, you know? Just Unreal. that alone, man. It, it alters your perception of people because now I'm thinking, okay, these guys care so much about their fans. They don't want to overcharge them for anything. Right. And, and that just makes me want to listen to them even more, you know? Oh, Crazy. yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, like I said, I have four categories. And first was greed. So, I think we've got that one covered. Yeah, that's a good one. For me, the second one was immaturity. And let me kind of tell you where I'm going with on this one. Uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, this John Mayer came on the scene. And I know a lot of his early stuff was pop, you know, especially that first album of his. But the more he started getting into it, the more I realized what a good blues guitarist he was and still is to this day. I mean, let's just be honest, he's one of the best out there. Uh, he, you know, he came into his own on the album Continuum, I thought. And then he did that John Mayer trio album, which was just unbelievable. unbelievable. Such a great album. But around that time, he uh, he started, I don't know, like dating all these little socialites and Jessica Simpson and Taylor Swift and getting in like public like battles with these people. And it just it was I found it distasteful. And I realized that doesn't affect his music. But it did affect my perception of the guy. And I always thought he was a little bit of a smart ass, if I'm being honest. I've seen a lot of interviews with him, seen him in concert, making comments and stuff. And he just I think he was just young and he was kind of immature at the time. Uh, that said, he, he also, and this gets into actually my fourth category a little bit, where he kind of changed his musical style at that point. Went more in like a country western kind of direction, I guess which really wasn't my thing, but right. I would have probably given it more of a chance if he hadn't have been such a jackass to the public. I, I remember he did like an interview for Playboy magazine and it's around the time he, I think he was dating Jessica Simpson at the time, which in itself, like what, what intelligent person anyway, I'm not going to go there, but <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I remember reading that and he just came across so smug and arrogant. And I was like, I, I'm not sure I can keep listening to this guy, you know? And, I think he was just young and immature. I, I, nowadays, I have a different opinion of him. I think he's he's grown up, but he's also he's still a tremendous blues guitarist. I know that, and right. I still enjoy listening to his music. But I will admit, there was a time, and solely because of that guy's immaturity, that that I just quit listening to him for a while. Uh, Jimmy, is there anybody that that, that no. falls in your category with? Well, basically, not quite the same vibe for him as a as a fan of guitar music. I. You brought him to my attention too. You know that, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. for you. I wouldn't have been listening to John Mayer probably for a little bit of time until he became really, really exposed for his art. 
uh, with, with, you know, the ability to play guitar. And um, it was up until Battle Studies, I was diehard. The John Mayer trio was the, was the cream of the crop. And then he released that Born and Raised, which was the folk was at the start of the Paradise Yeah, you're Valley. right. Battle Studies is pretty good, too. I, I Battle Studies is a fantastic yeah. album. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, although I kind of listened to the other stuff as it came out, I just didn't grab me. The Search for Everything was the last album that came out. I think it was in 17 or maybe 18, but it came out and it was, it was okay, but it didn't grab me like the Battle Studies, the Continuum, those two solid albums. And then the Sob Rock that just came out last year hooked me. I was hooked, yeah. and I was back on John Mayer's train, you know, no pun intended, um, the <laughs> exactly. last train. Well, this was my last train to catch with him, and, and it was an absolute pleasure to go down memory lane with him and him, you know, basically giving the 80s a nod, and it was it's just fantastic music. He did something similar with the live albums. If you remember, he had a bunch of albums called As Is that came out, yeah. and, dude, I was a completionist with him as well. I went ahead. Yeah, and but there were only four of those. It, it wasn't like Dave Matthews, as far as yeah, that but it goes. was all for the same tour, and it was, it was. you know, and it, don't get me wrong, it was great, but geez, Louise, and I think of course they were I had done for like iTunes uh, back in the day, and and I think yep. they were uh, only like ten songs on them. I don't think they cost a lot either, as I remember. I, I'm not gonna. I, I can't uh, remember, dude. I I'm just gonna give the guy a huge pass on that, but I, I think they were only like five bucks a piece or something like that. I don't they remember they cost a lot. I, yeah. I just know that I bought. One physical copy that I'd never seen before while I was in Louisville visiting my brother, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, at a, yeah, one of my, as ironically enough, at a place called uh, Disc, or uh, was it Disc, Disc Ecstasy or something like that? But uh, it's it's where we got the Audible, it's where I got the Audible Ecstasy name from. So yeah. um, <laughs> there you go. Tie it yeah, because they had like everything. I mean, metal, blues, pop, they had it all, you know, records and CDs and cassettes, believe it or not. But uh, yeah, man. I'm with you on the, the John Mayer. Yeah, he definitely dated his share of bimbos for sure, or at least what appeared to be bimbos. I mean, I'm sure some of those girls were. And that in itself nice. isn't really a big deal, but it, but it's the way that he acted he about it toward the. Yeah, it's very arrogant, man. I don't, I don't. It just rubbed me the wrong way. That said, that shouldn't really affect right. somebody's music, the music as far as that right. goes. Let but, the music do the talking, as Aerosmith yeah. says. But if you, you start I mean? doing other things like changing your style, then it's like, okay, not only have I grown to dislike you a little bit now you're changing what i like in the music so you know that and i'll admit i, I did drop him for a long time i do like this new album he's got out i agree with jimmy and i'd probably it's go fantastic. see the concert it's, again it's so a great it's yeah like, i would uh, honestly yeah. we, we we probably should because it was it's a great album great album mm-hmm. all right man what was the next topic i know the immaturity thing i kind of picked the, the, well, i'm gonna pick tail again is, here in a minute so you go ahead uh, the next one's politics and uh, like i said i you know i try really hard in this podcast not to get into politics i feel like like i say it's respectful to people that listen who knows which side of the aisle you're on and like i say i'm kind of right down the middle on a lot of things so I, I don't consider myself an extremely political person uh that said every so often they're musicians let their politics get in the way uh too much in the way for their own good and the main guy on this is bruce springsteen and i remember jimmy I, I know you know where i'm going with this oh yeah uh because we live in the southeast and anybody who lives in the southeast that's a bruce springsteen fan uh, knows that he took a political stance when the state of north carolina in, introduced the, the the bathroom bill that they called the gym. and he decided he's going to cancel all his concerts in north carolina and i remember at the time uh, he was doing a show in greensboro that he canceled and it might have been one of Raleigh, too, or Charlotte. I don't know. 
but I specifically remember that one in Greensboro. And at the time, I remember thinking, okay, you got to stand by your, your your political beliefs and and whatever they are, that's fine. You got to sometimes you got to make a stand for something you believe in, but you've got a whole bunch of fans who had nothing to do with that bill who you're standing up and, and it was by the way it was it was like a quick cancel it, he canceled it like a week before the show it wasn't like he gave these people a ton of advance notice or anything but he could have easily and i you know i don't know how well you know that area jimmy but martinsville is like an hour north right he could have right. easily rented out that martinsville track and said hey we're going to move the concert up here we're not going to cancel on you guys I, I get not wanting to give a state uh economic benefit because of something like that but he could have easily and, and i hate to say it but <laughs> my wife is a big maroon five fan i know points off but but i hate to say it but but the maroon five did the same thing they, they had a show scheduled in charlotte they said well we're canceling that but we're going to move it to columbia south carolina it was like an hour away might have been a slight inconvenience for the fans but not much of one and he could have found a way to do that and he didn't he just said screw you guys i'm not doing it that really left a bad taste in my mouth. And I understand politi- you know, musicians, they don't live in the real world sometimes. They've got a lot of money coming in. They don't know all the political, you know, all the things that in politics, why people vote the way they vote. Sometimes they vote for their, because of their pocketbook, you know, to try to put food on the table. And they feel like certain things are the right way for that. All they're thinking is about is special interest groups a lot of times and and I get it. You know, you got to believe what you believe in and, and you got to try to support people. But man, that left a bad taste in my mouth. And I feel like he could have done that a lot better if he wanted to. You got any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Am I opening well, Pandora's box here? No, no. It's it, a lot of artists did do this. And, and, uh, yeah. Boston, you know, Brian Adams, I, I know they followed suit with him. Right. Yeah. A ton of people did this. And, and I'll be honest with you, he really could have gone from, disappointing so many fans to becoming a hero saying, you know what, North Carolina, I'm not going to come back. However, I will make this show up in Martinsville. Great example. Or yes. head down to South Carolina. Good Lord. He could have went, he could have went South two hours. And I know I, it could have easily done that, man. It, it, take it a step further. Say, I'm going to make it a free, I'm going to make it a free show for your inconvenience. He's got the money. He could do that. You yeah. Know? He right, does. right. Right. I mean, you know, there's another band of course now, I'm going completely extreme on this. A band that I used to absolutely love, Machine Head. Extreme metal. I mean, heavy, thrashy. I love those guys. And I still love the early music. But when this political stuff broke loose, the lead singer, Rob Flynn, lead founding guitarist, lead singer, he just did not shut up in anything that was not in his belief. And he is far left. I mean, as far as you can get just about. And he... He just absolutely made me just think, you know what? Please let your music do talking. I, I don't care. I don't care what you blow. I don't, I don't care if you, you you bleed blue. Just sing. Just keep it on the stage. And, you know, I don't, it's not that he's going to influence me at all. It just, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I love those guys. Seen them live. They destroy. As a matter of fact, I think because of his tantrums, caused two of the better members to leave. Really? shortly thereafter and mm-hmm. one of the guys i still follow this day so i'm just telling you sometimes it can cause turmoil inside the band i don't think it caused any turmoil inside of bruce springs because let's face it the man's one of the biggest artists in the history of rock and roll at, at this right. point in time you know what i mean but machine head we're talking metal band 
something, you know, inner turmoil going on, you know, and you're, most of our fans that listen to this or most of our listeners may not even know who that is, but it's just a metal band that I dig when I was, you know, a lot younger. And Mm -hmm. as a, as a guitar guy, they have thrashy riffs, great songs, I think. But nowadays I couldn't care less. And I'll tell you, I'll speak for Anthony on this because I'm I'm almost positive he would go here. The guy that from uh, Ice to Earth, I, I got a feeling he would feel that way about Ice to Earth. I mean, I, I do. I know he like because because of him storming the Capitol and everything. He he, I'm sure Anthony would would feel that. Way. So I mean, you know, like both sides are right. going to get that. Um, right. That said, I, there's nothing I hate more than going to a concert and starting to get preached to by the guy about politics on the stage. You know that that that. That is a pet peeve of mine, and that hap- and I'm going to throw it out there. I took him off the list. Jason Isbell is the world's worst for that. He is absolutely the list. world's worst. He's on he my has list. absolutely canceled concerts that I was going to go to for trivial reasons, just because I mean because of his political beliefs. Uh, I'm pretty much done with that guy. I'm just going to be honest with you, and I used to really like him. Chris, I'm the same way, and he's on my list because you introduced me to him. I thought his music was so great, and then. Then he becomes more publicly speaking about what I didn't agree with and don't understand why he had to push it. And then well, he started pushing it on the stage. He started having these tantrums yeah, on his stage. Yeah. Like, it's not dude. just the COVID thing. And I know he was he was at the forefront of that. And, and I get being cautious during COVID. I understand that. Right. But he flat out canceled shows in states that, didn't, that he didn't agree with their COVID policies. I mean, that seemed a little, I don't know. And, and once COVID was actually on the decline, too, not, not during the height of it or anything. I don't right. know. I just... Uh, regardless, like I said, I don't want to get too political here, but that guy's rubbed me the wrong way for for multiple right. times. Yeah, so right, right. I think I'm about done with him. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I, I'm the same. I'm the same. There, he canceled it. another show too. It wasn't just the COVID thing. There, I cannot remember. I I was planned on going, and something happened, and it, he canceled it. And it, I was just like, really, dude? I mean, I, I don't remember what it was now. I wish I did, but anyway, we can Dang. we can move on to the next category. There, I don't get too wrapped up on that all right um my last category jimmy is a dramatic change of music styles uh there is a band back in the 90s i used to late late 90s early 2000s i used to listen to radiohead quite a bit i like their first three albums pablo honey was good the bins was a fantastic album Uh, okay computer was a fantastic album and you know, they were always kind of an edgy band, but you know, this, this Tom York, their lead singer, uh, he, he's always been kind of like a little too artistic for his own good. He, he's always trying to push the envelope there. And I remember I bought an album, uh, the album was called Kid A. It was after OK Computer, I believe. And I remember getting the album, I listened to it. I was like, man, I, it's all these like computer noises and shit. And it was like, there was one pretty good song on the album and the rest of it. I just was like, this is just, I don't know what they're doing. They're just like, they veered off into something I don't understand. And I remember opening up the, the album cover, right? Or the CD jacket. There was all this artwork. I mean, there were like pages of artwork. It was like a book. You just flip through and it's, I think he just sketched a bunch of shit and put it in there. And I remember thinking, if, if he spent as much time working on his music as he did sketching this damn art book, which looked like just ramblings of a madman, honestly. I, I'm pretty sure he was dr- on drugs when he did it or something. I don't know. Oh, geez. But I remember like thinking, well, mate, you know, I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Yet again, I thought, okay, maybe he's just trying to one-off to change it up a little bit. Maybe he'll go back to what he did. Then the next album came out, I bought it, and it was just as bad. <laughs> 
And I was just like, damn, I, I, I was like, nope, this was not an anomaly. It's just their new sound. And I pretty much gave up on them after that. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes bands do that. Uh, Jimmy, is there anybody that, that yeah. you can think of that that falls in for you? Well, you know, we uh, this is going to hit home for, for all three of us. We can we can say Jimmy Buffett, and I realize his sound may have not changed, but he changed enough for me in the late 90s to where I was. And he could theoretically fit in multiple categories because he was releasing live, live album after live album. And, um, and I felt like the music he was releasing was a little bit mediocre compared to the stuff up to Ban- Banana Wind. And I, I tell you the truth, some of the stuff in the 80s was, was not as good as the Fruitcakes era, the the banana wind era, the uh, barometer soup uh, records. And, and I remember, and I was a completionist at the time on this man, because oh, I, I, if you're going to be a completionist there, you're going to spend some money. <laughs> I bought everything the man had released. I found it all, you know, even the, the one album for the soundtrack. Uh, and I can't remember what it was called from the seventies right now, but uh, I found that, you know, and I went head over heels for this guy just for, you know, just to follow and, and appreciate and support and you know, God, what was it? High Cumberland Jubilee. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't find that for the longest time. And I finally found a copy and I just remember, Oh my God, this is so great. Well, of course, then you had what don't stop the carnival, which I thought was less than stellar. Then you had beach house on the moon. Once again, less than stellar. And then you had far side of the world. License to chill was decent. It was, it was a good kind of a group effort with a bunch of country music artists as Anthony, Anthony would know this stuff guys. If he was on here talking right now, and I get he would he would Anthony's, definitely defend it. We'd have to implement yeah. the uh, soundboard tonight with the the, he would <laughs> the baby cry and the he would be head explosion sure. and everything. He would he would be but upset if you. I feel like the majority of the folks out there could see that it was a, it was a, definitely a, a little bit of a letdown as far as quality. Still fun songs, but whenever he took back to Buffett Hotel fantastic record i mean i've gone back and listened to that since and that's where he kind of got me back and, and of course listening to anthony's other podcast and, and and us doing our podcast together made me go back and, and revisit these albums that i hadn't listened to and probably really give a fair shake can i still say the same about don't stop the carnival and beach house yeah i can because they just don't grab me and it's just something not as nostalgic as going back and listening to fruitcakes which was really my you know it's like when you throw the bait out there i was hooked and that went right. backwards, and then it became A one A was the you know was the stuff. So, you know, and then of course we talk about the live albums he's released over the years. He's I mean he's got tons compilation albums. I mean my God, he's probably got twenty compilation albums out there. Um, but it's all about making some money, and I get that, and I love pretty much everything he's done pre ninety six, I guess, and. Yeah. And since then, I've, I've fallen back in love with his music. And this last album that he did was basically some old songs rewritten or redone as an acoustic. And it grabbed me by the heart and loved every bit of that. Um, and I do wish Anthony could could be here to talk about it and to see what – surely he felt a little bit of a change over the time because, it, you know, I felt like it was definitely a, a little bit of a letdown for some of the music that came out. You know? I, I'll, I, well, I'll, I'll jump it on a different front and – Buffett's he's all about the money grab I mean I there's no doubt about that the man releases Margaritaville everything uh some might say it's being a good businessman uh some might say he's listen the guy's got diehard fans he's got a ton of them and a ton of them probably have a lot of money because of the the age they are and and that kind of thing um 
I mean, just the other day, Anthony told me he released a Margaritaville pontoon boat, like brand. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I, I've seen like on the Wheel of Fortune here, they're always at the Margaritaville. Uh, they, they're like sh- pushing trips to that place, the, some Margarita, Margaritaville uh, yeah. condo place. Then, I mean, he's got like living communities now and stuff. Uh, the restaurants, obviously. Uh, I will say. You know, it's not it's not a bad product as far as that goes. I, like I've I don't know what we went to Destin a couple of years ago, and even his sister has a, a restaurant called Lulu's down there, I believe, and yeah. it's actually really good. It's right on the, the the waterfront. We we had a good time there. So I mean, it's a good product. The the Margarita, Margaritaville cafes are okay. I mean, you you know what you get in there, but it's a good right. product as far as that goes. But yeah, he he definitely. I guess that's on the fan. How far you want to take it? You know, I mean, true. He's got a ton of albums. Again, if you tried to buy every album, you, you spend a lot of money. Uh, but nowadays, we can stream stuff, so that's not exactly. a huge deal. That's what I was going to say. Thankfully, yeah. we have the Spotify's, the Apple Music's of the world that, that give yeah, you... I can't say he ever lost me as a fan. I, I will say I don't really listen to the new stuff. Never have. I mean, honestly, after Banana Wind, Barometer Soup in that range, I checked out as far as the new stuff goes, but I still listen to the old stuff. It's good Oh, yeah, stuff. dude. I, yeah. You know, that's the one thing. I didn't give up on the old stuff. I did give up on the new stuff for a long, long time. And, and with a lot of these I, other I bands glad I went we're back. talking about tonight, I pretty much just dropped it altogether. So. Right, yeah. right. I got you. I got you. And that was my only other uh, you know, <laughs> artist I was going to bring up about, you know, changes through my, through my, I guess, maturing of taste. And I just. Uh, I, I do have an antidote. I forgot to tell about the radiohead. I was, okay, so here's something that I've always noticed about that bunch. A lot of people are very careful when they talk about Radiohead because I, I think there was a point in time it was kind of like a cool thing for celebrities and stuff to say they were a fan of Radiohead. Even to this day, I'll see certain people on there that, that I don't really have much respect for their musical inclinations, but they'll go on and they'll say they were fans of Radiohead. And I think to myself, really, are you a fan or are you just, is it cool to say you're a fan? So that's why you say you're a fan. And I'll never forget the one guy who who <laughs> said this out so damn clearly. I was I was listening to it one day, and it was after I'd bought. I don't remember the name of the album after Kid A, but I'd bought that album, and it was Hail just to as the bad. Thief. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Hell to the thief. Yeah, maybe one good song on that one too. And of all people, Kid Rock gets interviewed about it. He's like, "Yeah, I used to love Radiohead. Their new stuff's just pure shit." <laughs> he just spelled it right out. I was like, you know what? He's right. He's absolutely right. Everybody's afraid to say it. They tiptoe around it because it's like perceived that it's cool to listen to those guys. But he was dead on. So, yeah, that always kind of stuck with me. But <laughs> it takes Kid Rock to point out to you that a band sucks now. But, you know, I'm sure there's people that disagree with me. There's probably people that love those guys to this day. But they dramatically changed their sound to something that was working into like some artistic expression for this guy. It just isn't any good anymore. I mean, this is all there is to it. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you one more that's going to probably surprise you a little bit. Um, no, I was right. telling Crystal before we, before I got on the night that, you know, what we were getting ready to do, and she's like, you can just throw Maroon 5 on there for me because as soon as they started doing the, the rap, the hip-hop stuff on the records, I gave up. I was like, you know what? That's My a wife valid will appreciate point. that. <laughs> because Songs About Jane is an absolute stellar album. Yeah, it is. It won't be soon before long. Stellar album. Hands All Over is the beginning of it, but it's still a great record. And then after that, it just become, you know, kind of poppy and or more poppy than what it was. And 
and it definitely invited a different genre of artists to join them. And I get it. They were making hand over fist. And of course that's another one that can charge as much as they want for concert tickets, which is darn near ridiculous. Well, I'd like to kind of end this. Uh, I, I had a, another point I kind of wanted to point out here, and yeah. it's really not about any specific band, but uh, I, I'll freely admit when I was younger, especially in those Dave Matthews days and, and uh, that late 90s, early 2000s days, I was a music snob. I was. And I always thought to myself, if you're not like a singer-songwriter, if you're not somebody that writes your own music, you're not a true musician. That was my mindset at the time. And, and I read a, an interview by Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows, and it, he pointed this out in this article, and it always stuck with me, and it really changed my opinion on how I th- think of that kind of thing now. He said, there's some great singer song or some great songwriters out there, and the world would never know their music if it, you know, maybe these people aren't great musicians, but they're great songwriters. And the world would never know their music, and the world would never know people, like, and he specifically said Frank Sinatra. He's like, he, you know, if it weren't for people writing his music, you'd never know who he was. And he put some tremendous music out over the years. And I kind of like dropped my snobbery after that to some degree. I realized, listen, I respect people who write their own music because it's not an easy thing to do. And I respect singer songwriters, but I also respect entertainers and musicians. And hell, I'll listen to anything now, man, because I, yeah, and, and I'll take it for what it is and not like judge it. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's kind of yeah. a big t- takeaway I had from that time frame of mine, I think. So it's possible I put that snobbery on some of these groups I, I mentioned tonight. Uh, and, but you know, I, I try to kind of like look at it in hindsight. I don't have anything against Dave Matthews. Uh, I'm not sure I'd ever go see him in concert again, but I definitely would dust off some of those old albums of his and, and listen to them and enjoy them as far as that goes. Um, I've pretty much forgiven John Mayer for being a bit of a jackass in his younger days as, as well. <laughs> so I'll probably never listen to Radiohead again as far as that goes. Uh, you know. Well, right, right. And Bruce, I, you know, I know Bruce is just like following his, it's misguided in my opinion, but I know he's just trying to do what he thinks the right thing is. Uh, I feel like he could have done it a, a better way. Right, I don't have any right. problem with him not playing shows in North Carolina for the time being, but at the same time, make accommodations for your fans that are that are there because they don't have anything to do with that, and you're penalizing the fans. You think these politicians that put those bills in care anything about Bruce Springsteen coming to their town? They don't. I promise you they don't. The people he's hurting are his fans, and he let right. them down by not figuring out a way around that, in my opinion. I think more than anything, that one really rubbed me the wrong way more than anything else all night. No, I, I get, I get it. Cause I've um, still not thought he didn't handle that right. Everybody else I've kind of said, eh, I, I get it. You know, that I don't get. And when somebody like Maroon five weird, can man. figure it out and you can't give me a break, Bruce. I mean, that's just not right, man. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you, man. I, and I, I will say the difference between your snobbery and my snobbery when it comes to the music was I was very, very closed minded early because I, I kind of like the heavier stuff, and if it wasn't heavy, I was basically pushing it off to the side. And, and obviously, as I've gotten older, my maturity changed. Of course, now I've always had a weird music. I mean, I went from one extreme. Like, I go from loving jazz and classical to ex- Cannibal Corpse. You know what I mean? It was crazy. And then, luckily, you know, I have you pushing some stuff toward me, Anthony pushing some stuff toward me, and – you know, as I get older, the more I, the more I mature, the more I go back and see the stuff that I probably missed out on. And I, yeah. now granted, I was lucky to be exposed to as much music as I, as I have been in my life because I have two music loving parents. 
you know, and I've talked about them before. I I was beat to death with you know many many of these seventies albums that we've gone back and reviewed, and it probably Which is tremendous music. music and by the way, I yeah. was not, I did not have that luxury. I was, I had to find it on my own. So right, right. See, yeah. I, yeah, dude. I mean, I had it made. I, you know, we had. Good Lord, you name it. Boston, Meatloaf, Ario Speedwagon, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks. I mean, things like ZZ Queen. Top, Bob Seger. ZZ Top and Bob Seger, yeah. I mean, <laughs> stuff, all man. these bands that my parents, either my mom or my dad, just absolutely loved. And I was just putting Mike and Mechanics, Genesis. I mean, things like that, you're like, good Lord. I mean, yeah. that's just what I was pushing Zeppelin. My dad was, and I never even realized that till later that, Led Zeppelin II was one of his most influential albums that he had in the 70s. I was like, holy crap, Zeppelin II. Yeah. So, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. It's unreal. Unreal. Yeah. Nonetheless, you know, we kind of went on a rant, but uh, yeah, man, this was a great conversation tonight. And I, kinda, I think we should, you know, we, we possibly do some more things similar to this later on down the road, especially whenever Definitely. we have uh, like an unexpected break coming between us if we've got time. Well. I, I kind of feel bad that Anthony wasn't with us tonight because I know he would have had a lot to, of input oh, yeah. on this. Now, the one thing about Anthony, I think it's fair to say, and I, I'm not sure he'd agree with me, but I, I think it's pretty fair that he likes everything. He's like Mikey, oh, the serial he kid. He likes everything. He's not going to bash thing. anything. That's <laughs> so, a good thing. It is a He's good thing. We need, we need that all. voice on the podcast. We do. And, but you know, I, I asked him a while back. I was like, "Is there anybody that you've like fallen out with?" And he's like, "No, I can't think of anybody I've fallen out with over the years." He, I, I will get, so to give him a little voice tonight. Uh, he definitely had a stint where he was really into country music in the '90s, and fairly, you know, we all know country kind of fell off a cliff after the '90s, and he kind of just turned yeah. away from it as far as that goes. So for the genre itself, I think he definitely left country music in the '90s as far as that goes, uh, but. As, as any individual artists, I don't, I don't really think he did. So, oh, dude, that's the that's the one thing about him. He will he'll give everybody a fair shake. Yeah, and I think he loyal to a fault the, with, with the artists for what to a fault. Yeah, to a fault <laughs> yeah. for sure. Appreciates the artists for what they are, what they put in their music. Because let's, I mean, he's a writer, so he kind of knows what it takes to push something out there. And that's the dedication it takes to do that, and I believe that goes a long way in and how he listens to stuff. Whereas, you know, I can grab my guitar and make up a riff all day long, but it ain't gonna sell nothing. And it's gonna yeah. probably sound good to me, sound like crap to about five billion people. So, yeah. you know, whereas Anthony can write a book, and he's got a genre that he's he loves and he has a passion for it. Now he may not sell a million books, but he does fine off Amazon. You know, he he's hitting. Yeah a few bucks here and there and you know buying the things that he likes you know the headphones the and i'll tell stuff. you he uh when he does on his song land lines tan lines podcast yeah, reading at the read end those, man i like i'm kind of riveted on some of those he's a he's a very good writer he really is he, I, I don't know if he realize i think he realizes he it but like he, he should he should be proud of that work because it's good i've yeah. read some of his books and i think they're you know they draw you in man, I've, so, I've, yeah. you know i've been i've been a supporter of him you know he i think he gave me my first copy and i was like you don't have to give me more because i will pay for these these are worth yeah. buying you know what i mean and yeah uh, i'm not yeah, a huge I mean, reader i'm just gonna be honest with you uh, i've bought a few of his books uh and and read them and enjoyed them but i'm not somebody that reads a lot i should I'm, see i'm a kindle guy you know i'm more yeah, of, i'm more of a movie guy or a tv guy i'm just that's well, the way I, I am i'm with you yeah. i'm with you me and me and anthony are the kindle I'm a little add sure. i think i have a hard time just concentrating on something for a long period of time that might maybe right. i don't know yeah but anyway 
right, man. Well, this was a this was a fun one, man. Different. This is different for those listening. And this, you know, this is a bonus episode. So, uh, and if you guys, if listeners, you like this kind of conversation, or if you have any input, you you know, feel free to reach out to us on the uh, Audible Ecstasy Twitter or the Instagram. Send us a message, whatever you want to do, and uh, yeah, we you know. We'll throw out an invite. Be glad to have a conversation with any of our fans. I know we have a, a couple of guys out there that are in the work in the works that we're going to get on here, and uh, possibly a couple of gals that uh, may want to speak their mind and uh, kind of give us their opinion on what you know what we're listening to for the week. But hey, that's something we're looking forward to doing, expanding, expanding what we do. Chris, you got anything else tonight, man? I think that's about it, man. All right, guys. Well, thanks for stopping by. This is the Audible Ecstasy Podcast, and this is Jimmy. And this is Chris. And this is it.